Well, wow. Oh. For being gone for four months, trying to focus on being settled, I'm not all that settled this morning, I have to confess. Got a little, little rev and some nerves this morning. I'm really excited to share with you this morning. But uh, first of all, I, I can't go any further than to begin with some thank yous. I am super grateful for the season that you gave me and my wife and my family to spend time together, to rejuvenate, to recuperate, to heal and to restore and to get vision and get direction and just to really spend time with God and with each other and to spend that time together. I've never experienced a summer like that. I had a lot of fun rodeo summers in my past, in my history, but I've never had a summer like that with my wife and my kids who were off from school to spend each morning getting up with them and just slowly adapting and figuring out what are we doing today, what's the plan, where are we headed, maybe nowhere. Thank you so very much for myself, for my family. Thank you, JR and Janie. I've told you in person, I'll tell you before the congregation, I wish I had experienced something like this even before you guys experienced yours. There's lots to talk about, and like everything else in life, there's nothing like experiencing something in person for yourself as well. And the revelation, the understanding that experience gives you. I'm very grateful. Eldership team, thank you so much. Thank you for the leaders who stepped in and filled some of the things that I do. I don't want them all back. You've done so well. You've done so great. I'm so grateful for you, and thank you so much. But thank you, Mount Helena Community Church, for supporting us in that season and giving us that incredible opportunity. I also want to recognize and thank all of you who are a part of our military or who have been. Thank you so much for spending your Veterans Day. Would you just take a moment to stand if you've served in the U.S. military? If you are currently serving, we just want to recognize and thank you. We don't get to do it enough, right? Thank you. I count it a privilege to be able to stand up here. And those people that I just thanked in total, you make part of this possible, right? You military veterans, you give us the freedom to be able to worship a God with uncontained hearts, without legalized, without governmental. You give, you help give us and the other parts of the world religious freedom to be able to experience and to walk with our God. And I thank you. We thank you so very much for that. Today, I, I want to stay settled, but I'm also very excited to share with you a message that in its form has changed my life, and it can be a game changer for you as well. Particularly when I was a young person, when I was a kid, there were many times in my life where I felt very alone where I felt abandonment and loneliness. I still have a place out in Birdseye that I used to escape to, that I used to uh, run, 
the diagonal of our 20 acres and cross Raven Road and open a gate and go down over two hills and set up and have a little campfire and sit and spend time with God and pour out my fears and my anxieties and my frustrations and my disappointments. And it's a beautiful place today. I, I still think of that place and that time, and that time is different to me now. It has a beauty to it that's not just associated with loneliness. For you and I, some of the hardest moments of our life are when we feel the most alone and the most isolated, when you feel completely isolated. Maybe even on a Sunday, maybe a pastor at the front has encouraged the congregation, has encouraged all of you to give a high five to one another. And you see people give a high five to someone else and them high five them back and you felt the loneliness of sitting there and nobody high fiving you. Perhaps you're here today and you're surrounded by a full room. I love seeing how full this room is, but maybe you're still sitting here today amongst all these people and you have feelings of loneliness and feel like you're sitting here alone. I have one big thought for you that I want to share a number of thoughts about today, and that is to never stand alone. You see, we're created to have connection. We're created to have connection, but we drift toward isolation. The natural process in humanity, though we've been created by God, and he set it up that we would have direct communication, experiences, connectivity, dependency upon him, it was thwarted. And now the natural tendency is to drift in isolation. You might be here today, maybe experiencing for the first time what the Bible calls church. What God set up to be connection for his children who have a personal relationship with him. And the Bible emphasizes the importance of the coming together for corporate worship, for prayer, for encouragement in the word. And maybe this is your first experience of the church. I want to tell you, God's building his church. And if you're here today, even for the first time, it includes you. God wants to build his church with you. Because we know the church isn't a building, is it? God wants to build people. He's building his church and its people. In fact, the scripture says it this way. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, I'm reading from the message version because I like his chosen words here. You're no longer strangers or outsiders, but you belong here. Even if it's your first time, you belong here. In fact, I believe, and many of us believe, you were created to belong and to be a part of the church that God's building here on earth. He continues, he says, you belong here as mu- with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God's building a home. He's using us all. I like that. Don't you like that? You have as much of a right to the name Christian as anyone in 
this room are walking the face of the earth. Again, we disqualify ourselves. We feel like, how could God ever want me? How could God ever accept me? How could God ever forgive me? And yet God's word says, you have the right as much as anyone because of the work of his son and the gift, the gift of salvation. He continues in Ephesians 2, he says, he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. You're a stone. I'm a stone. And together, we make up the church. We make up what God is building stone by stone. We're created to lean on each other and to draw from one another, to support each other, because that's what God created us for. He created us for connection, for connection to him and connection to one another, but we have inside of us this drift, and life has us drift away from connection. Our social media habits demonstrate our longing for connection. Go with me for a moment, would you? We make a post, and as soon as we make a post, what do we do for the next number of minutes or hours or even day? We check the likes. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Grace. Not only the likes, but what do we really pay a lot of attention to? The comments. We want comments because... We want connection. What about when we look at the reels of other people, the highlight reels of other people? Sometimes, I hope you could admit with me that it incites feelings. Sometimes, feelings of jealousy or envy or of being left out or FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Thank you. Yeah. We watch some of those reels with the fear of missing out. And our tendency is to drift towards isolation. Many of us have seen those lion hunts or those wolf hunt videos, right? What happens with isolation? What happens in isolation? In the drift of isolation, they get taken out. And taken down, right? The one that parts away from the rest, the one that somehow stumbles or gets separated, turned the wrong way in the fence line, becomes the prey. As a pastor, I unfortunately see it many times in many different ways. I see it in marriages where one of the two begins to drift. And a drift begins... And, it, and instead of tending to be intentional and forgiving and understanding and merciful, one or both decide to drift, to move towards isolation and aloneness in their thoughts and in their thinking and in their experience instead of turning towards one another. And if we're not intentional, 
and intentionally turning towards our spouses and towards our children and towards our family and towards our brother and our sister, then we're likely drifting away. There's a similar drift that happens in the church. It begins in perception and misunderstanding and in differing expectations, but it does have an impact on our attitudes, and it has an impact and affects our heart, and it ends up affecting our attendance, and we reach a place of judgment and feeling wrong, but oftentimes it can't just stop there. It does end up affecting our own personal relationship with God with a kind of drift, and a sort of drift, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard from somebody, I I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we got here. It never was our intention, but the drift still happened. We're created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. As Christ followers, we're called to fight the drift, right? I haven't lost you, have I? We're called to a fight, to fight a drift of isolation, to fight for connectivity, not just for myself, but for one another, for each other, for our church family, for that that God has sent his son to give his life and to give us life more abundantly to build his church. And the fight is to fight a drift. It's a battle that's worth fighting. It's a fight worth fighting. How do we fight against the drift of isolation? You do it by never standing alone. Three thoughts I have for you. Three thoughts I have for us to fight the drift of isolation. The first thing to do is to remember the faithfulness of God. It's not just a song. I loved the worship team's worship package this morning. I feel like it fit right into what I wanted to bring this morning and felt like I should bring this morning. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. Everybody needs God, don't we? We all need God. The most important connection in my life, the most important connection in your life, whether you have it or not, whether you're yet to find it or not, Your most important connection is not your mom and your dad, not your spouse, not your children. In our house, I want all of our kids to know God is number one, mom is number two, and then you're up. But don't interrupt that order. The most important connection in my life and in my home, in my marriage, in my parenting is God. And I can't afford to drift. I can't afford to sit in isolation. It will have implications in my parenting, in my marriage, in my own well-being, in my own health. When you surrender your life to Christ, you enter into a relationship with God, and you never have to stand alone. I love God's faithfulness. I love God's faithfulness. We face trouble and we face hardship, but God's always there for the battle. With God on your side, you will look back and you'll see his faithfulness. In fact, the Bible says this. 
when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, isn't he? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I never have to be, I never have to stand, I never have to walk without God. He's made the way. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I never have to do it alone. Because you're with me. I will fear no evil because you are with me. I never have to walk alone. The book of Joshua, in the book of Joshua, the Israelites have an important time of remembrance. And God does something. God instructs them to do something that, that uh, is a remembrance. It is for this purpose because they're going to need it. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt. And they've been rescued. They've been delivered. They've stubbornly been wandering the desert for 40 years. And now... They're at a big day. They're on the bank of the Jordan River, and they have to cross the river, and yet it would be easy to still give up even though they're that close. But it's a big day, and God tells Joshua to select 12 stones, to take 12 stones from the river and to stack them up before they do it. Because one by one, he wants them to remember his faithfulness, that all during, during that whole time, during all those years of captivity, during the long extended time of deliverance, during their 40 years of stubbornness, God's never left them alone. He's been walking with them the whole way. The story, we're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4 verse 21 says, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future your children will ask. Guess what, mom and dad? Our children are going to ask, aren't they? And God wants us to be prepared. He's telling Joshua what to do so, he can be, so they can be prepared, so the nation of Israel can be prepared to share the answer that they need to hear. Your children are going to ask, what do these stones mean? then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Why? Because of God. Because of the faithfulness of God. When we need provision, God comes through. When we're trapped like the Israelites, God gives us a way out. still impacting to me today. When I'm dead in my sin, dead to right in my sin, God gives me forgiveness. He gives you forgiveness because God is faithful. I have a friend, I'll call his name Mike. He was a delivery truck driver for a business here in Helena. And he was having an extremely difficult time understanding what maybe you take for granted and maybe you have as big of a struggle with as Mike did. Mike would say across the 
pickup seat from me, he would say, Jason, I, I don't think you know the, the things that I've been involved in. I don't think you know the things that I've done. I don't think you know how much merchandise I've stolen in the back of a delivery truck that I never delivered, that I took from my boss, that I took from my company, that I sold. I don't think you know the kind of life I've been living. I don't think you know the parties that I've been at, the things that I've instigated and made other people go through. I don't think you know or can even understand the kind of damage I've caused in people's life. How could God forgive me? That was a major crossroad in his life. And the thing that I told him, I couldn't really tell him much more than the word surrender. That kind of like I needed to experience sabbatical to understand what JR went through even. But I told him, you'll understand more with surrender. But as long as you fight that, you're fighting the wrong thing. That's not the fight that you should be in. It took quite a while to just keep walking with him and answering questions as best as you could, but just praying for him and being with him and fighting with him for the answers that he was looking for. But he came to Christ. He experienced God's forgiveness. He turned his life around God, set him free, and forgave him. Today, he's a leader in church. He's a leader in his community. He's a leader in his family. He's a Christ-like leader in his Christian community and school. It's because of, not him, not me, it's because of the faithfulness of God. It's because of the faithfulness of God. I understand and I want to recognize some of you may be sitting here and thinking that it's too difficult to remember the faithfulness of God. He or I, either one, may be in that place one day when it's really difficult to remember and can't see or doesn't even seem like maybe that God's been faithful. Sometimes it really is actually difficult to remember the faithfulness of God. Some of you carry a heavy weight and a heavy burden. Some of you carry heavy experiences in your life, and it's extremely hard and difficult to think about how God has been faithful. Some of us, some of you experience abandonment, and it's like a heavy stone in your life. And now even as adult. You wonder, how, how could my biological parents have left me alone? Why did they decide, they made the decision to leave me, to give me to someone else? Or maybe it's a job that you thought you really should have had and you didn't get. And it's like a stone in your life. Or maybe it's abuse that you've experienced from someone that you really, really trusted. And it's a heavy stone in your life. <clears throat> Maybe it's someone that you thought you would be married to all of your life. 
Maybe it's standing with someone, a family member, or a friend, and you watch them in their very difficult battle with disease, and it's still like a heavy stone of misunderstanding, and it's hard to see God's faithfulness. Maybe it's your own guilt and shame of your worst mistake that just continues to plague only you, really only you in your own mind. But it's like a heavy, heavy stone. I want to acknowledge from wherever your rock or your stone comes from, sometimes it is difficult to see or to remember the faithfulness of God. And my second thought that I want to share is that's also when you need to rely on God's people. God created you for connectivity. And isolation is not going to help it. It's not going to solve it. It's not going to make it feel better. It's not going to relieve that burden or weight. But we're created to be with one another, to know one another, to be in connectivity. It's when we need to rely on God's people because everybody needs somebody. We all need someone to vent to. We need someone to share your doubts and your fears. You need someone who doesn't judge you but has good judgment to be a part of your life. We need the right people in our life. Again, I can't tell you how many people I've sat across from and hear their problems and their issues, and I do at some point try to get to the question, who do you have in your life? Who's around you? And I've heard numerous times, I, I, I'm not alone. I, I have friends, for instance, from high school. They have my back all the time. And every once in a while, I have to interrupt what continues from there and go, but are they the right people? Are they helping or are they contributing to your problem? Are they pointing you in the right direction or are they continuing to watch and even aid you go in the wrong direction? Having the right people in our life doesn't just lead us to the right results. It points us in the right direction. It's not just a certain result I'm looking for. It's a direction that my life, the life that God has for me, that I need to be going in that direction, and the results are up to him. But to do that, I can't do it alone. I need to have the right people in my life. The difference between where you and I are and where God wants us to be depends on having the right people in my life. Proverbs 14.7 says it this way. In the Passion Translation, the words of the wise are like weapons of knowledge. If you need wise counsel, stay away from the fool. Ouch. Ouch. How many of us like hearing from our moms or our dads saying, stay away from that person, they're a fool. They're looking out for us, right? But it's really difficult when we're in it to see we're with the wrong people. We're not getting counsel from the right kind of people. How do you find the right people? I want to give you three next steps, and I'll cover them quickly. Start serving. 
When you're serving here at Mount Helena Community Church, when you're surrounding yourself with people who are servant-hearted and servant-minded and who are doing things for other people, you're going to get around the right people. You're going to be around people who are not just thinking of themselves and out for their own gain. Pick up a stepping up card today at the Welcome Center or at any of the giving stations. And you can find a team and start serving with the team. They'll train you. You're not just doing it to be the best servant. You're also doing it for connectivity, to be around and to get to know good people. Get in a small group. Find your tribe. Get in a small group. Meet weekly with people who are going in the direction you want to go. You can find our small group menu online. You can pick up a menu at the Welcome Center. It's not too late to join a small group. You can also join JR's Vision and Values class that's happening next Sunday. Meet people. Maybe you already know all the information, but you don't know all the people that are going to be there. I can guarantee you that. Go for the people. And this last one might be some of the most difficult, but I want to encourage you to get real with someone. Get real with someone. Many of us get stuck and we get isolated in our own problems because we're going through our own problems alone, by ourselves. We can end the isolation of our own problems by sharing with someone else, someone else who loves us, who cares for us, who has good judgment, who can go through it with us. If you do one of these next steps, your life's going to change. If you do all three of these steps, you're going to be able to look back and these stones could look a little different. They could be a little different because God's building his church stone by stone. With God, we can fight the drift by remembering God's faithfulness and relying on God's people. And number three, releasing the power of your story. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody, and somebody needs you. You've got a story, and there's power in your story. When I was a kid, I, as I said at the beginning of the message, I, I felt, had feelings of abandonment. One summer, my younger brother and I spent nearly the entire summer by ourselves living in our trailer house, just the two of us. While my dad was away fighting wildfires, was coming back every two weeks just for a quick turnaround and headed back out. And there were times I really experienced loneliness and felt pretty abandoned. I experienced abuse watching my mom shove my father through the picture window of our trailer house, watching my dad hold my mom down, but also having that violence turn towards us. And it made me wonder, and it made me think, like JR was referring to at the end of worship, it made me wonder about God. I wondered, how am I going to turn out? How am I supposed to turn out? When I'm a kid, and this is, this is my life. This is what I experience. Maybe God's punishing me for the things that I've done wrong. Maybe God's punishing me for the things my parents have done wrong. 
couldn't be further from the truth. But as a kid, I wondered that. As a kid, a neighbor down the hill, a neighbor lady began taking us, my younger brother and I, just the two of us to church and to children's church every Sunday. And I started hearing answers to my questions. And I started understanding God something different than I experienced. And one particular Sunday during my parents' 18-month custody battle, just following while we had been in hiding at the Friendship Center here in town, the Sunday school teacher just scrapped the lesson and shared the message, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus gave his life, lived his life, but gave his life on a cross that he was closed in a tomb and a large rock rolled over. And three days later, the rock was gone, the stone was gone, and Jesus wasn't in that tomb, but Jesus appeared to people on earth, and he walked the earth for 40 days appearing, and that he had new life in him, and that that new life could be for me. If I would surrender my life, even as a painful, hurting, lonely little boy, that I could have new life in me. And I can tell you today, I've never experienced the kind of loneliness I had as a kid. Not everything went away like the stone was rolled away. But something was deposited in me. A relationship began with Jesus Christ. A relationship with God began. And the faithfulness of God rooted in my life. And God brought people into my life that found value in me and that connected to me and that believed in me and wanted to see me encouraged and strengthened in God's love and his faithfulness and his understanding in his word, right? How does a stone become so smooth as some of these stones? Some of them are more smooth than others, but in a river... A stone becomes smooth because of rushing water, because it's rubbing up against and pushed down the river and down the stream against other rocks and against sand, and pretty soon rocks become even more useful and helpful. And Like in the story of David, David selected five, and he slew the giant Goliath with one little stone like this, and there's parts of that story I love, but there's two parts. One, David was a young boy. His age didn't matter. He stood up against something that wasn't his own enemy. Goliath wasn't his enemy. Goliath was an enemy of God's people. And David said, no more. That's not my enemy, but that's an enemy of God's people. And what I love about the work of God is God can take your stones like these and he can make them stones like this and he can help use you with your story to take down someone else's giant in their own life. To help them understand what God's been building, what God's been doing, help take off the jagged edges, help heal you and equip you and build his church with you. That's what God wants to do for every person in this room. As we finish, as we close, if you want courage, if you want faith to take some of those steps, I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you. The prayer team's available. 
here after service as well. And I'm going to close. And I want to encourage you, if you'd like to talk with someone, if you'd like to share something, but if you'd like prayer for something, if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, come up here and visit with them. Visit with myself. We'd love to talk with you and lead you in that process, answer some of your questions. But God, for every person sitting here in this room today that knows what I'm talking about because they're there, knows what I'm talking about and knows that they too need to fight the drift, then God, I pray that you would encourage them and you'd strengthen them and you'd impart courage to them in Jesus' name. You'd help them take a step to get real with someone, to join a small group, to serve, to reach out with their problems to people that they can trust who are going to love them and care for them and is going to fight with them, to fight the drift, but help them take down their giant and help them share their story. And I really feel like there are, there's, ama- there's so many amazing stories in this room. You want to reach so many people in our city, in our community, in Helena, with people who have a story. And I pray in Jesus' name you'd give them boldness and courage to connect their story with someone else in this community. To give hope, to shine you, God. Because you've, you've had an impact in this room. You've had an impact on the lives in this room. And God, it's not just for this room. It's not just for them. So God, we thank you and we acknowledge you and your faithfulness to build your church and we want to be builders with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for coming today, for celebrating with us. Again, I want to encourage you, come up and pray with someone if you would like to pray with the prayer team. There's so so much food still out in the lobby. Please hang around and fellowship. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.